the arrival of Jesus is what we're talking about this whole month of December. And we began in John 1, which is where we're going to be again today. It's on page 886 of the Bibles found in the, in the racks around you right now. And we read in the very beginning, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see, his arrival for us gives us a perspective on eternity. And the most important things that we need to know in life. And then last week, we looked at how his arrival brings life out of deadness and light into darkness so that his arrival means our revival. And so for the first week, it's giving us perspective on eternity, but last week, it's giving us insight in why Jesus came. And John continues in verse 9, and he writes this, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would help us to see the glory your glory in these words. Father, I pray that you would help us in every way to understand truth. Lord, help us to see it clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. There was a young mom who had just had a baby boy and she wanted to celebrate with her friends and so she invited them all over to her house. It's kind of a big day and a big deal. Lots of friends over. And as they celebrated, I mean, they were eating and drinking, having fun, and even talking about the birth and everything. And all at once, somebody finally said, hey, we want to see your baby. That's what we came over for. So she goes back into the bedroom. She opens the door. She sees the crib. The baby is not there. And she has this moment where she is freaking out. And just then she sort of goes to the door in a panic, almost yells out, and she realizes, oh, I forgot. I took him over to mom and dad this morning while I was getting ready. And she had this moment, oh, no, he's not here. What are they going to say? Just in the same way, as that gathering missed the point. The most important part of the celebration was seeing the baby. It's the same thing that can happen at Christmas. We can be so busy with celebrating and taking care of all the other details that we miss the reason for the celebration. These words, although there's just three verses here, and they're a part of the whole, 
I want you to think about what these words are saying today. The true light, (laughs) the sheds revealing light on everyone came into the world. The world that he had made, think about that. We see that in verses one through three. And as verse 10 says, he was in the world and the world was made through him. Columbia City, all of northeastern Indiana was made through him. Whether in town or in suburbs or out in the country, all of us, you and me and everyone who was created, they were made through him. In verse 3, we read, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made. Verses 10 and 11 show us where the focus really is when Jesus comes into a very dark world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. I think that corresponds with verse 5, which we read last week. The darkness has not understood it he came to his own and his own people did not receive him the true light is coming into the world now i the world that he made and the people that he chose and i suspect that john has in view the whole world of all human beings and israel in particular the world belongs to jesus he made it And then Israel doubly belongs to Jesus because he is the one who made them and put them in the call of Abraham. And so I think it means that Christ's giving life is offered to all as the only remedy for the darkness in the world. It's as if the doctor is saying, this flu vaccine works for everyone. The truth is, everyone here. But then verse 11 goes on to say, but his own received him not. He came to Columbia City. He came to Fort Wayne and to Warsaw. He came. He came to northeastern Indiana, and they received him not. They rejected him in their department stores with season's greetings instead of Christmas. They rejected him in their restaurants with happy holidays. They rejected him in the secular exploitation of his birthday, and they rejected him with a thousand knickknacks and trinkets instead of the baby in the manger, the one who was the promised Messiah from the days of old. They rejected him in stripped down carols and sort of wordless tunes. They rejected him in their public schools with Christless plays. And they rejected him in their public speeches here at the Christmas season, pleasing all by saying nothing. The light has come into the world, his own, and his own were in love with the dark. And so they did not receive the light. I want to give you uh, seven reasons why 
we don't see Jesus. First one is we don't see Jesus as relevant to our lives. We don't, we don't see him as relevant to what's going on in not only my life, but in the world in general. I want you to know that this starts with the church. This begins with the church in that TV preachers and even many popular leaders. Jesus is relevant to make us comfortable and easier and more successful. A better you, your best life now, better for you. You know, and I don't, I want to come, you know, one of the things is I come to you, I come to you in love. And I want to be a person who's a person of encouragement. And I'm saying this out of encouragement. I want to remind you that those who were closest to Jesus died for him. It's not for your glory. It's not for my glory. Jesus did not come for my glory. Jesus came for God's glory. Romans 1.18 says this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. We suppress the truth. We look for stuff instead. And we bring him out like a nativity scene. We don't see him as really relevant to our lives in the greatest needs of our life. I would want you so much more desperately to hear what God is doing in Jesus for you to see this as relevant in your life than you would like me or like what I say. I want to speak truth to you. What we desperately needed, God gave us. Because it's a dark world, man. It's a dark world. Life is hard with many conundrums and problems and trouble. I want you to know that Jesus is very relevant to our lives. Very, very relevant. He is relevant to every person here And he is relevant to every circumstance in your life today. He is the light of the world. Which brings me, I think the second reason we don't see Jesus is we don't see Jesus, his authority, as more significant than our own. We think of him as a part of our life. You know, you know, it's really good. It makes me feel better when I think about God or if I, I go to church, it makes me just feel better about myself. We are created. It says that here in John 1 that you were created by God. We are to love the creator. But we think of him as sort of an add-on to our life. This is the way we are. Hey, Lord, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to do this. I mean, I love doing this. And this is what I'm going to go do. And I'm going to come over here. And Lord, would you please come over here and bless what I'm doing? Because I need you.
Instead of saying, you are the master, I am the servant. Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, you have authority in my life. You have authority over everything, all of creation and everyone. Lord, here I am. I'm your creation. I'm a part of what you're doing. Lord, would you show me what you want me to do? So many, I, <laughs> I am so much constantly needing to be reminded that I am his. He is not something I have. I am something he has. Nine times Jesus expresses authority and that authority surpasses anything we know or even understand. Nine times in the book of John. I'll give you one example. In chapter five, verse 25, he says, Jesus speaking says, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear him will live. This is exactly what we were speaking of and which Holly was speaking to when we looked to his second coming. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Listen, verse 27. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming when all who are in tombs will hear his voice. He is the Lord. No man, no country, anything will have more authority than Jesus, the one who's spoken of in John 1, whose birth was in Bethlehem, born of a virgin. We don't see Jesus as bringing us happiness or hope. We miss him because we don't think that's really or to happiness, the way to happiness. A lot of us will watch a football game today. Uh, there's a good football game at one o'clock. At one o'clock, Dallas plays the Colts at Indianapolis. There's some brothers and sisters missing today, and they are down in Indianapolis. They're getting ready right now. They're eating a hot dog probably and getting ready for the game. And... Uh, Here's what's interesting. When we watch it, and you're not doing the Netflix binge watch thing where you don't see any commercials. You know, I know that. I'm, I'm completely like, I, it skipped over me, man. I just, I cannot do that stuff. But when you have a live television event, you, you watch commercials. And in these commercials, when you watch these commercials today, there's going to be a lot of messages. And the messages will be, if you buy this phone, you will be happy. If you put the gadget on your kitchen counter and you walk over here to cook, it follows you. And then you come over here and that will make you happy. You will be happy if you do this. The ads on the show, that this will make you happy if you do this. And we look for stuff and things. We are searching everywhere else. Instead of the truth of what John 1 is saying, and that is, you are loved by the one who gave you life. Romans 11, verse 33. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. 
John Piper, who's a kind of a famous author and preacher, he says, be a Christian hedonist. Now, I know a lot of you know what hedonism is. It's just hedonism, especially both in Greek and even in our days, we think of hedonism as debauchery. But what Piper says is, be a Christian hedonist who finds their greatest joy and happiness in Jesus. To find your happiness, to have your greatest joy in the one who created you, not only the one who created you, but also in the life he gave you. In him was that lot was life, and that life was the light of men. I pray you will know, and you will be a Christian hedonist. In other words, your happiness and your hope and your joy will know that you, that God is in control, and he holds everything. Here's the fourth thing. We don't see Jesus' way as the best way. We want to determine our own way, especially here in America, man. I mean, this is Western thinking, for sure. You know, we determine our own path. We, we're the ones. And there's a good thing about the idea that we take responsibility for our actions. There's a part of that with accountability and responsibility is a good thing. But brothers and sisters, even we as Christians have to watch to act as if we are so full of hubris that we will do it our way, the way we want to. When we want to, how we want to. I've mentioned Coach Craycraft a lot to you. Coach Craycraft, he was a counselor for years in the school. He also taught driver's ed. I watched him drive my whole growing up, I never saw him make a mistake driving. He was unbelievable. He, was, uh, he, he drove a station wagon, a big old, I don't know, 1970-something station wagon. He had a little sticker on the back of it that said, I found it. There's a movement. Some of you are old enough maybe to know. Coach Craycraft, after I gave my heart to the Lord, and then soon after, I committed myself to ministry, which, by the way, I did not know what I was getting myself into. yes. And I bumped into him at the post office. And Coach Craycraft, the Sunday school teacher, this iconic lay preacher who had 100 people in his Sunday school class. It was bigger than a lot of, of, uh, of, some, of churches in our area. Coach Craft, we were talking, and he told me, he said, Johnny, if you can do anything else beside going to ministry, do it. And I was like, I was so confused. Coach, what are you saying? In my mind, I was like, why didn't you say, oh, Johnny, you're such a good kid. <laughs> Pinch my cheek. Oh, that's such a wonderful young man. Look at you. Now, all these years later, I know why he said what he said. It's not easy. Following Jesus. But it's worth it all. Every blessing. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans 
in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. I want to encourage you today, Jesus' way is the best way. We don't see Jesus as a savior because we don't think we need one. I think about the words of Bon Jovi, who was huge in the late 80s. It's so fascinating to me to go to hear a college football game, be at the big house, 115,000 people, and in the third quarter, at some point when there's a timeout, Bon Jovi comes on, and it's, the, it's my life. I will, I will refrain and hold back the curse of me singing that song. But, it's, you know, in the 80s, they were huge, man. But they, this song, the whole student section, 40,000 students singing, it's my life. So the song comes on, they're all singing it. Well, the song has to be brought down. This play started keeping on playing. That doesn't stop the 40,000 people from, from singing it. They sing the whole thing all the way through to the very end. Part of it is, is a declaration, it's my life. It's now or never. We kind of have a way of just thumbing our nose, thinking without realizing, even in our own life, sin has consequences. Romans 3.23 says that everybody has sinned and falls short of the glory of God. And we are justified by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because of his divine forbearance that he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be, the, be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. He is just and the justifier We need a savior because we are lost in sin. We go our own way. We don't want anybody to tell us anything until we realize how much darkness, how much we need light. We need a savior to pull us out of the darkness. Another reason we miss Jesus is we don't see Jesus as our creator because we are obsessed with with creation instead. So many times, we are so much more passionate and motivated towards the things that we like. We give our energy, our time, our talent, and our treasure. And in Romans chapter 1, verse 25, there is this warning from Paul of an explanation of how the world is lost in darkness, how we just kind of go our own way. Verse 25, they exchanged the truth about God, the creator, for a lie and worshiped. In other words, they gave their passions. They gave, they they really wanted, they wanted, they worshiped and they served. In other words, they, they gave their time and their energy to created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. So many times I think we think of worship like this and we think, oh, well, you know, culturally they were talking to a world that was full of idolatrous, archaic, and primitive other gods. 
other gods. And that's true. Of course that's true. All around the ancient Near East, whether you went east to Babylon, northeast to Assyria, no matter what direction, there would be a primitive, whether it be polytheism, whether it would just be another deism, whatever it is, there were all these different belief structures, and I, I, I can agree with that. But then we think of us, and we go, oh, well, we're not like that anymore. We're not like that. We don't do that kind of stuff. We're not primitive like that anymore. We're more sophisticated. And the truth is, we have. I have to even say to you as a youth pastor and as a dad, to my daughters and my sons, I never want them to exchange, to give their life for created things, that they would be more passionate about that stuff than they are the king of glory, the one who gives life, who gives eternal life. Lastly, we don't see Jesus because we love ourselves more. I say this this morning because in my life, I need constant and very frequent reminding. It's not about me. That's my war, man. I mean, that's just my war. I always think it's about me. And we miss Jesus because we tend to love, we tend to center on ourselves. And here's what the beauty of the light, Jesus, coming into the world is, is that Jesus not only paid a price that we could not pay, not only did he do what he was promised to do, but I want you to know that part of it is Jesus also sets an example for us and he models something for us. Jesus was selfless and he showed us the way in our relationships, in our lives, we in America would do well to learn from Jesus. Not only the salvation and having faith in him, but also looking at him and making his way our way. And that is, it's not always about me. You would do well in your marriage. I would do well in my marriage to remember this. It's not always about me. It's about me giving my life away. When I got married, I didn't know what I was getting myself into as well. But over the years, I have learned there's more light and life in me giving my life and sacrificing for Sherry than there is me being selfish and self-absorbed. Some of the most damaging uh, years ago, I don't know, probably 10 years ago, we were talking about this. Some of the most destructive words in a marriage, for example, is, I deserve. I I've learned that in my life. I deserve better. There's life. There's life, not only in the light that Jesus gives us through salvation in Christ and what he did on the cross and in the resurrection, but he also modeled us the way. He is the true light. The world is in desperate straits. All of our lives, it is full of darkness. 
the darkness of sin and despair and sickness and death. But there is hope in Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ is the true light. The light dispels darkness. Jesus Christ was the true light. Remember that. Other men may claim to have light. They may claim that they can lead men to truth. They claim that they can tell you, but I want you to build your life, literally build your life on what Jesus says because he is the light of the world. He has revealed God to men. If you want to know what God is like, look to Jesus. He is God. He shows us the nature and the meaning and the destiny for future and all things in the world. He's a guide to guide us out of sin and shame and doubt and despair and fear of death. That's what light does. Sometimes in here, uh, I don't think, we're not allowed to turn off all the lights, are we? Can we do that? We can't do that, can we? Yeah, we don't want to do it. It might mess up the whole computer and everything, I think. I've tried this. Anyway, you have to imagine with me a little bit, all right? So during the week when this curtain's closed, I'll be in my office and I'll think, well, I've got to go down to the other end. I'm going to go down and see Devin. And and my office is off this back uh, hallway. And so when I walk in here, it's real dark. Well, this is all new in here. It's not, you you know, you used to have the three steps everywhere and it's now you've got a shelf and all that kind of stuff. And the carpet's black. So now I've got, it's dark in here and I get about right there to the top of the ramp and I, I start feeling my way a little bit. Well, I just about bumped one of those Christmas trees over and I thought, oh, I just went back down the hall and went back outside, went around. <laughs> now, I, I, I have almost fallen since we did this because I can't quite find my way in in the dark and that's the way it is in the dark isn't it I mean we just bump into stuff and and now you know everybody here I know what you're thinking you're like oh now I got my phone I got the flashlight on my phone well I didn't have my phone what if you don't have the phone Jesus is the light in a dark world he is the one who brings light see here's what I want you to remember today The arrival of Jesus brings both truth and clarity. One of the reasons that I believe in the word of God and the revelation of who Jesus is, listen to me, because some of you are doubters. One of the reasons, not, not all the reasons, but just one of the reasons that I believe that Jesus is the way, that he is the light of the world, is because of how he defines the world in its darkness. And that that, listen, and that that darkness that I see in the world is also a part of my story too. He can define not only the world, but he also defined men's hearts well. In other words, when you look to Jesus, he is the one who brings clarity and he brings truth to a dark world. I think it's something that all of us could agree to today. We could all agree with that. That the world, somebody switched the price tags. 
something very strange has gone on. More people died in the 20th century than all the other centuries combined. You'd think we'd be getting better at this. This whole hate thing. But it seems that the light came into the world. And they received him not. True light. The true light. Jesus Christ. What does it mean? What does it mean that he came as light? I want you to know this. Christ is to man as light is to man. Christ did for man what light does for man. What does it do for us? What does light do for us? What is it that Jesus does? And I want you to have this living hope in your life today. I want you to know what Jesus does. Jesus does for man what light does for man. And he is to man what light is to man. Light is clear and pure, isn't it? Light, it's clean and it's good. It's not good to be lost in the dark. Ask those old boys from West Virginia this week. Four of them got lost in a cave. Nothing. They are fumbling and stumbling for several days. And they were rejoicing to get out. Light is clear. It's pure. There's something about it. So is Jesus. There's something pure and clear about the sinless Jesus. Light penetrates. It cuts through and eliminates darkness. That's one of the things that light does. That's what Jesus does for us. So does Jesus does that. He penetrates. He cuts through the stuff in our life. He cuts through the darkness in our life. Light enlightens. It enlarges our vision and knowledge. It gives us the ability to see when we couldn't. So does Jesus. Light reveals. It opens up the truth uh, of an area, you know, a whole new world and life. It clears up the way to the truth and the life. In other words, it, it shows us this way. It reveals to us something we couldn't see when it was all dark around us. It's John 14, 6. So did Jesus. Light guides. You guys know this. Just take your, you know that, the phone. Just take it out. Just a tiny little phone light can help you. It keeps one from groping and grasping in the dark, trying to find your way. It directs the way to go. It leads along the right path. It keeps you on track. That's what light does. So does Jesus. Light exposes and it strips away darkness. That's what light does. Light does not keep you bound in darkness. So does Christ. Light routes the chaos. In all the chaos of darkness, in the chaos of this world, as Sherry and I, Sherry especially losing both her parents this year, and things get chaotic when you have tragedy or whether it's death or illness. So many times there's just a chaos that breaks out when things don't go your way, when you're confused. I want you to know Christ 
it routes the chaos to know that God is in control. Light discriminates between the right way and the wrong way. So does Christ. Light warns. It warns you. Uh, on my way home, uh, I, I turn off 30, and they just recently put a solar panel on top of a stop sign. Evidently, there's been a lot of wrecks there, and so they put a solar panel up, and then there's these little LED lights, little red LED lights that blink. And it's not much. I mean, it's not much. I mean, but it's just there. And so in the dark, you see these lights, and you start driving up. And at first, I was like, I'd hardly even notice there was a stop sign here. I guess I was stopping here. I'm getting old. Anyway, I, like it kind of woke me up. Yeah, yeah, I've got to stop here. Yeah, sure. So it's interesting. It warns. That's what Jesus does too. It warns us from the dangers that are ahead on life because life can be very difficult. Light protects It keeps one from tripping and stumbling and falling and injuring yourself, even losing your life. So did Jesus. The mission of Christ was to give light to men. As we close this morning, I want to just tell you one more story. Ravi Zacharias was in Vietnam in 1971. He's a famous preacher. He was an up-and-coming preacher at that time. And he went to Vietnam to preach to different troops all over. And so when he had this, uh, he had an interpreter, of course, that's what he needed, and his his, uh, interpreter's name was Hein, H-I-E-N, I I guess I'm saying it, maybe Heen, I don't know what, anyway, I'm gonna say Hein. Anyway, Hein was his interpreter, young guy, Christian, full of vigor and life, and as he went around, he just loved interpreting for Zacharias. They became pretty good friends over time, but as you all know, things were going south in Vietnam. And so when the Americans pulled out of Vietnam, Hein was arrested. Ravi Zacharias said, I thought I would never hear from him again my whole life. Well, Hein, over time, was put into this prison camp, and as he was in this prison camp, he he was trying to be retrained And so he had to read people like Marx and Engel. And he was constantly being barotted to give up on your Christian faith. That's a bunch of garbage. And one night, he was in so much despair, he thought, tomorrow, I'm not even gonna pray. Maybe, maybe it was a big farce. And the, you know, the, maybe the West lied to me. Maybe it is, this whole thing is just nothing but a farce. The next morning, when he got up, A commanding officer told him, your first duty today, you're going to go over and you're going to clean up the bathroom. So he went into the bathroom and as he cleaned up and he got the can next to the toilet and he cleaned it out, he saw a piece of paper. It was all crumpled up and it had filth all over it. But it was in English and it perked him up and he thought, oh, I've got to look at this. He cleaned it off real quick, stuck it in his pocket And he went back, and that night as he was laying there in his bed, he realized, as he wanted to read this, his voice started to tremble as he read the words from Romans 8. Many of you know that verse. It says, and we 
know that in all things, God works to, for good for those who love him. And then you remember it also says, for I am convinced that nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then Hine just wept. He asked God to forgive him. He was on the verge of surrendering and he cried out to God asking for forgiveness. This was gonna be the first day that he didn't pray and he prayed right there. The next day he asked the people who were overseeing the prison, I wanna, I'd like to, if I could, I'd like to go, I'd like to be the person who cleans up the bathroom every day if I could. And every day he would go in because all the officers and the people who were in charge, they would rip out pieces of the Bible and use it as toilet paper. He would take it, he would clean it off, and that became, that became his Bible. And so he found in the darkest place the hope of Christ. He called Ravi Zacharias 17 years later. After a while, they released him from prison. He fled to Thailand, and he moved to America, where he became a very successful businessman and one of Ravi Zacharias' supporters. Folks, we live in a dark world, but Jesus is the light because his arrival brings clarity and truth to us. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you make it possible for us to have forgiveness of sin. Lord, thank you, just like the disciples, Lord. Lord, to whom shall we go to find the words of eternal life? Lord, you teach us truth. Lord, you offer hope. Lord, you give us peace through Jesus because Jesus sets the example. Father, I pray today that you would help us to trust in the true light, the light of life. Father, I thank you today for your word. And I pray, Lord, that we would trust you, that we would know you more, that we would not miss you, the most important thing. Lord, I pray that we would receive you and we would see you and that we would embrace the salvation you offer and the life that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you've never given your life to Christ, I wanna invite you to the cross this morning. There'll be folks right over here to pray with you if you've never given your life to Christ. I would encourage you to do that today before you leave. And if there's those of you here today, you're carrying a heavy burden, you feel like there's a lot of darkness in your life, and you want somebody to pray for you, I would love for you to have the opportunity to pray with these folks as we leave this morning. One other thing, just as a little, just a logistical thing, tonight, if you're coming to the concert, most of the people who are coming to, our con to the concert tonight, some of them don't know anything about our church, and I would encourage you, when you come, to park around back on the back lot, because so many people don't know that's not very obvious to them, and park back there tonight as you come. I pray that today you will live your life focused on the light of life that is Jesus. God bless you and have a great day.